Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to HopeNet Radio. It is the show where conversations save lives, and this is our 102nd episode, episode 102, and it's next in our series on Faith Fundamentals. My name is Jeff. And uh, my co-host, D.W., how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Good. If this episode was a fever, it'd be a high fever. It'd be a high fever? It's feeling yes, it like would. October out there, so maybe it'll balance out. 102. 102 would be a high fever. It would be a high fever. So this is going to be a high fever pitch kind of show today. Yeah, I got a fever for cowbell, so we can <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, I meant that in a good <laughs> way. I meant that in a good way. We're going to be off the charts. We're going to be good. That's all I think about. I have a fever. Oh man, yeah, that's great. I I, wait. You know, I just blow the definition right out of the water here. So yeah, we're gonna have a good show. We're gonna talk about things that I think are relevant. So tune in. All right, it's gonna be a great show, and we're gonna have a great conversation tonight. Tara Kay is back with us in studio. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Week's going well. It is. I mean, it's Sunday, so you got another week to look forward to. I guess so. That's true. Yeah, I like Sundays. It's like my favorite day of the week. Yeah, and so you were last on our 100th episode. So uh, you were talking about how you're doing some resettlement stuff and all that. Is it picked up since then or about the same or less or, or what? Well, it's picked up, but uh, I finally get – I do all the moving. So I move everybody's furnishings in their apartments before they arrive. So now a lot of our families have arrived. So now the other people in our office are scheduling – them appointments and setting up for ESL classes, getting them in school. So their jobs are busier. But um, we do have something really exciting coming up now that I have a little bit of time. I'm starting to try to build our volunteer base. So anybody who's interested in volunteering with World Relief, working with people from other countries that we're resettling here, um, we're having a volunteer night in Oshkosh on October 27th. Okay. So Tuesday, October 27th at 630 at our office in Apple. It's 217 East Pacific Street in Appleton. Cool. Not East Pacific Street. It's... East Pacific Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, yes. and we're also going to be um, in the future having uh, an office in Green Bay as well. So we are going to be resettling a Somali family in the area. So we're going to be looking for some donations, furnishings, and maybe um, volunteers in the future in Green Bay. But for now, we have um, the open volunteer night. Uh, if you're just interested in, you can sign up to be a volunteer that night. Or if you're just interested in finding out more about what World Relief does, how your church can help out, um, or even collecting donations for us, come that night because you'll get to learn all about what we do and what we're doing in the Fox Valley. Very cool. And World Relief, uh, you're the volunteer coordinator? Yes, volunteer and resource coordinator. So I handle recruiting volunteers, donations, um, interns, and our marketing and our media. Sweet, sweet. So, and and Tara Kay, if you haven't met her yet or you haven't seen her website, go and check out our show notes tonight at hopenet360.com. we got some links there and, and all that information that you can find out there. Because, it, I mean, it is October. 
and we're getting to those cold months. And I think it's really important as believers, we really feel like it's important to take care of the least of these, those that don't have a lot. And especially when we're talking about resettling refugees, people that come with just about nothing and provide their basic needs. That's a great opportunity for every Christian to be involved in. So whether it's a homeless shelter or it's helping with world relief, in some way, this is that time of year when we we have to think about those that may not have some of the necessities even that we sometimes take for granted in our life. Yeah, that's very true. Right now, our, one of our biggest need is coats. So coats mm. and winter accessories, we need to provide that for our families once we pick them up from the airport because they're coming from countries, from a lot of African countries, from the Congo, from Sudan, from Burma, um, Iraq, as our largest people groups that we resettle. And those climates are generally warmer. So they're in for a little bit of shock when they get here and we need to provide them the right kind of winter weather accessories, coats and boots and shoes and um, scarves and gloves. So if you are want, looking for a project to do or, um, you know, gathering some donations maybe from your church or a small group, we're definitely in need of those. Check out our show notes. You'll find all of that information there. Uh, our conversation tonight, is, we're going to keep on the Faith Foundation series. And so last week, if you missed the show, you can go and download it on the podcast. We're on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio. This is a, a series that I, I think is so important to go back. And even for someone like me, who has been in the faith for uh, about 20 years, over 20 years, which is crazy. I grew up a kid in a Christian home, but I really didn't make a decision to follow Christ until right about my middle school years. So just maybe right around 17, 18 years I've been a Christian, but it really it really wasn't until that point that I really just said, I need to go further. I can't just go to church. Church doesn't make me a better person. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't fix necessarily the problems that I have within internally. And that only comes about by knowing the truth. And what is the truth? And you have to ask those hard questions. You know, who is God? How do we know God exists? Does he care about me? Does he have any role in my life? Well, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about some of the logical things behind life and some stuff that we may or may not think about on a regular basis, but it's important to go back to, especially when we're Maybe we're struggling with doubt. Maybe tonight you're thinking, I don't know about this faith thing. You know, how do I know God is real? I've just, I have a lot of questions. Uh, any of those come up, jump on the tweet back, use the hashtag HNRTB on Twitter, and you can shoot us your questions. We'd love to answer some of the questions. Uh, we want to think about those things with you because it can be hard to go through and you may not know who to talk to about those things. So we're going to talk about that on the show. And, and, uh, Dave, you know, this whole conversation, we had a pretty lengthy conversation last week. It was really deep. And I wonder, you know, how much of it sinks in on the first time. So uh, maybe it's good to just revisit some of those things and maybe talk a little bit about Scripture. Because one thing that we know about God is when we come to the conclusion there there must be a creator, there must be a designer, really the next logical thing is, well, how do we know anything about this God? Is he knowable? Yeah, that's a good question. And the bottom line really is when you were talking, I was wondering, I wonder uh, where the question even comes from when people say, you know, my faith is, is wavering. Why, why would it be wavering? What, what causes somebody's faith to start to not be there or, or someone to believe there is no God? I've talked to thousands of young people. And when somebody comes in and says, you know, I just don't believe there's a God anymore. I, I ask them why? Well, because he's not doing what I tell him to. Mm. It, that's not exactly how they say it, but that's normally how it goes. And, and I begin to think of the logic there. You know, it, God isn't who he is because he doesn't do what I tell him to. Now, that doesn't make any sense. You, you've got kids, right, Jeff? Yes. You've got two young boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting? 
what kind of logic would that be if, if they said, my dad doesn't exist because he doesn't do what I tell him to? <laughs> I would try to gently remind them how they got their meal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my dad used to do, too. He's like, who are the hands that feed you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, it's, it's, it, when we talk about it in that realm, it seems silly in a way. Mm-hmm. But, but the bottom line really is, here, here's the problem. There's a logical side to us and there's an understanding side to us. And, and sometimes we mix the two and we say, since I don't understand God, then he must not exist. And what we've done is we've tried to trump logic with understanding. And, and that doesn't work because it'll mess us up every time because it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, the, the truth of the matter is Romans 1, and, and I'd love all of our listeners to go read it, tells us there is a God. And that he's planted it in our heart that he's there. And the only way that he's not there anymore is we pushed it out. So it'd be like if your kids came to you, uh, basically, Jeff, and said, well, we've decided you don't exist anymore. Mm. So please get out of the house or whatever. It's like, wait a minute. I'm the guy who's paying the mortgage. I mean, you get out of the house. (laughs) It's it's one of those things. And you would never do that. But I mean, it's it's it, it, it doesn't make any sense on a human level. And it doesn't make any sense on a spiritual level. To be able to say, because I do not understand God, or because God does not do what I tell him to, or because God does not perform like I want him to, he does not exist. The the logic side of that blows me away. Now, the understanding side, I get. I mean, I I get the fact that you may not understand what God's about. You may not understand what he's doing. That I get. But, But the logic side doesn't make any sense. So we'll continue talking about that, and hopefully I'm not making it too muddy for people because... It is a simple concept. It just doesn't make any sense to uh, push God away from us and pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah, both of those things. How do we know this God? How do we know that the Bible is true and accurate? We'll talk a little bit about that. And the idea of suffering. So many of us saw you know, the news reports that happened uh, that have come out of Oregon and just the tragic situation there. The thing that oftentimes leads people to doubt and despair is that idea that that reality that we have of suffering. What do we do with that? We'll talk about that on the show as well. Join us on the tweet back. If you're listening and you're on Twitter, you can use the hashtag HNRTV and be a part of this conversation with us. Also, at any time, if you need to, you can chat with the live coach about any struggles, anything going on in your life that, again, you're just not sure who to talk to about those things. Our live coaches are standing by at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Also, while you're there, if you need to, you can chat with a live coach. They're there waiting to chat with you about whatever's going on in your life. If you've got struggles, if you've got things that are going on that you just need to help make sense of, our coaches would be a great option for you at HopeNet360.com. So, Jeff, DW, Terry K in studio tonight, having a conversation following up with our conversation from last week. We talked about God. We talked about uh, some of the arguments of God's existence for God's existence, uh, because a lot of us are asking the question, you know, who is responsible for this, the things that happen, the good that happens in our world, and even the evil, things that happen, um, just like we saw a couple weeks ago, another school shooting. And it seems like some of these trends, evil things that we see in our world, things that our minds can't really wrap our 
we can't really wrap our minds around these things happen in our world. What do we do with suffering? What do we do with these things? And if there is a God, if he exists, how involved is he in creation? You know, how involved is he in these things? Um, These are questions that every one of us at some point will ask in some way. We know there's a reality of good and evil. Let's just face it. There's there's a moral code. There's something within us that says, you know, that's not that doesn't feel good to me. I, I don't. When you say that, I get offended. You know, when you do that, I it hurts me. How involved do you want God to be? Hmm, that is interesting. What is it in your ideal world? What would you want God to do? Do you want him to control all your decisions? Well, I don't think so because then it would just be God playing against God. Okay, so like, so what if God's controlling every single person? Then let, let's just mess know. around with this a little bit. I mean, Tara, I, what would somebody want God to control? I mean, what what do we want him to do to make him so that he's acceptable to us? That's true. It seems like we want him to control the things that we want him to control, and then but other things not. Well, that's know? completely like, fuzzy, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think she would probably say, like, "I wish I had more money in my bank account." Okay, right. So God could like fill up my bank account a little bit. You know how God could be God to a lot of people. I think when I talk to to them and even myself, He just needs to be all about me. Hmm. Right. So, so in, in essence, I'm doing what, if you understand how Satan came to be, that's what he was doing. It's like, I want this to be about me and not God. And, and what I do is I want it to be about me and not about God. And God, if you made it about me, then you'd be God. Okay, that was a little fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a blonde moment. But, you know, in, in, the, in the, trying to understand it, it's like, you know what? When somebody says, you know, he can't be God because of it, it's like, well, what do you want him to be? I mean, what do you want God to be so that he could be God? I think, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to answer this question honestly, I'd like to know that he has control over those things. And over what things? Well, everything. You know, this world is going to hold together. Like the sun's not going to come crashing into the world anytime soon and, you know, fry my feelers off kind of okay. a thing. Like I I, I would want to know that at some point there are you know, whether it's logic or it's just reasoning that there's consistency, you know, in the world. Yeah, and we have evidence of that, right? I mean, we have evidence pretty much that the sun's going to do its thing and that stars do their thing. I mean, we've we got pretty good evidence and a pretty good track record so far of that. Well, if our, if our math holds up, if our equations yeah. hold up, sure. Okay, so the, we have somewhat of a record there. So what other things then? For me, it would be like, okay, but that probably i didn't spend a whole lot of time wondering if the sun's going to come up today you know i'm not worried about that because it seems pretty consistent so it's really the other areas when i hear someone say um you know god it must not exist because of Uh, i love to hear the because of i I mean i just want to know what it is that makes it so that he can't exist yeah well another another common one that young people have come and, and shared is i don't feel like god is with me like i when I pray or when I talk to God, when I do the Christian things that I'm supposed to do, I don't feel like he's there. I don't feel like he's answering my prayers. It seems like I'm talking to a wall kind of a thing. Like, how do I know that God's actually there and listening and, and cares about my real circumstances? Yeah. You know what? Every, everything about life is relational, which is really cool, I think. Everything that's good in life has to do with relationships. And um, you and I are married. Tara, you're not married unless you got married between the last show and this one i have not okay good so i mean not good I, I, who knows what i meant um, <laughs> thanks for the reminder yeah, That's right yeah. exactly yeah but you're in, you have relationships with people and 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 so yes. but but here's the deal you know jeff right now um do you feel married right now yeah i do okay how, how does it feel well i got a hug and a kiss this morning so yeah, it feels pretty good you're not getting a hug and a kiss right now well i don't need it right now were you offering 
No. What? This just got awkward. No no, no offering there. But, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's again, the idea of, you know how how things get fuzzy, if you want to use the term. It's like, you know, I don't feel God, so I'm not, you know, I've been married 35 years now. And uh, I think that marriage is like the coolest, one of the coolest things God ever invented. And the truth of the matter is, um, you know, I don't know if I would feel married or not right now, but I am. And and I'm not sure what feelings have to do with anything as far as status or or anything like that. But we make it a part of it sometimes. So we'll say, like, I don't feel like I'm married right now. I tell you, I go to Canada every year with a bunch of men, and we, we have 27 miles on the Montreal River up there that we, you know, and any men listening, go ahead and find us. We'll, we'll be glad to take you with us. But while we're up there, man, we do crazy things. We you know, we, we, and we developed a quick saying, you know, what happens in Canada stays in Canada kind of thing. <laughs> original. And, um, yeah, it's very original, very original. But but the bottom line really is, you know, I may not always feel like when, when you're jumping off a cliff up there, you know, whatever. I'm not, I may not always feel like I'm married at that moment. I'm, I'm thinking about hitting the water, you know, whatever it might be. It, it's Feelings are interesting, but to use them to, to deny the fact that God might exist doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. Be, because of the fact that it doesn't work in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you are trying to use logic or trying to understand something, it needs to be true across the board. Or if there are too many exceptions, you got to go, that doesn't work. So somebody who's saying, I just don't feel like God's close to me. Well, there, yeah, there's a lot of things you may not feel that are still there. And um, so you can't use that to really dismiss the fact that there is or is not a God. And so I would encourage our listeners, if they're using that logic, to rethink that one. That's a good point, because when we were talking about um, understanding earlier, I think it works the same way. Like, There's a lot about, I'm not very scientifically minded, right. so I don't really understand a lot about the stars and the universe and the sun and how that all works, but my lack of understanding doesn't leave me to believe that I see them, you know, like that, that they don't exist right. just because I don't understand it or because I don't really have any interest in discovering them or feel anything about them. Does it mean that they don't exist and they're all working how they're supposed to work? I don't understand it or I don't really have any passion of understanding how they work, but that doesn't negate the fact that they exist. Right. Or, or the work you do, uh, Tara, helping um, ladies who are caught in the sex slave industry, if you want to call it, or sin or whatever we call that. I mean, there are people that don't believe that even exists because it doesn't touch them. It doesn't, I mean, they don't That's think true. about it. They don't. So, so when they talk to you, it's like, what's the big deal? You know, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how anyone would do it. And I don't, you know, well, it still exists. Yeah. That's true. Whether you grab it or not. And that's part of what we do is, is educate people to know that there is a problem so that, that we can do something about it. So Dave, you're, you're saying that our own understanding is not a reliable method of determining what is true or not true. Oh no, I, our own understanding is not, and neither is our feelings, neither are emotions. I mean, those things cannot determine what truth is. Truth is already there. We, we have to discover truth, not make it up. And it's, and it has nothing to do. It will affect, however, our feelings, our understanding thing. And that's why we, we tie it together very closely. But it's not our, our understanding or our emotions that make something true. And and so when you're using that argument, I would just ask to have you stop for a minute and rethink things through because I don't think that's a very valid argument. Well, this conversation just got real. Keep it here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio and Q90FM. 
This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Connect with us right now. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Be a part of this conversation with us. You can also be a little bit more anonymous tonight, and you can email us at hope at hopenet360.com. We love to read your messages. We don't have to share your name if you don't want to. If you want to be a little bit more anonymous, just include that in the email as well. But tonight, our conversation, Faith Foundations, we're talking again uh, a little bit about some of the things we talked about last week, expanding on God. So we gave some arguments and some thoughts about God. How do we know he exists? Well, we have an idea. You know, we have design. This world has design. Uh, we have to account for cause and effect. So if this life is full of causes and effects of causes, what is the primary cause? Where does it all come back to? Well, that's from a basic perspective, from a scientific field, we have to look at you know, God would be the first cause. So lots of different arguments. If you missed the show, you can check it out at hopenet360.com or on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio. Just go to hopenet360.com slash podcast. Catch that episode because after show 100, the show is going to take a turn here and really be intentional about helping you build upon your faith. Real life questions. Okay, I made a decision. I'm going to try this God thing, but I want to know, is this really going to change my life? Is it really going to hold up? Is it really true Am I really going to go all in in my faith? That's what the Faith Foundation series is all about. We've been talking about a little bit about uh, suffering and things that happen in our life. Uh, we talked about feelings. Do I feel like God exists all the time? No, our feelings will always, not always, but most of the time they'll deceive us. You know, even for me, there are times when I, I, I hate to say it, but you know, there are times where if you're in a disagreement with your spouse or even with a friend, you don't feel like, you're a friend with that person in the moment, so our feelings can deceive us. You don't feel married in certain points, not because uh, you don't have a wedding band on, but just because maybe there's a disconnect in the relationship. And Dave, you said something interesting, that uh, we are wired for relationships, we are relational beings. Uh, talk about that from a God sense. I mean, can we actually have a relationship with God? Absolutely. And, and that's that's the really critical part. In fact, when you look through the whole Bible, and, and don't just take pieces of it, but you look through the whole thing, you realize that God created man to love. Uh, go listen to Toby Mac's song. You know, I mean, made to uh, love. Made to love. Yeah, great theology in that song. Actually, Dave Wager was made by God in order to love. He he wants to love me. What he means by that is he wants to show me everything in life the way it was meant to be. The the word shalom in Hebrew really means peace, but not just peace. It means I want to give you the peace that comes from living in the context of the way things were meant to be. There's a way things were meant to be, and when things operate in the context of the way they were meant to be, they are absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'll give you the example of a human example. Uh, I love marriage. I've said that before. I've been married 35 years. I never cheated on my wife. I don't want to. It, th- one of the greatest things in this world is to know that, that I have a partner who is dedicated to me, and, and I am dedicated to her, and, and we have 35 years, and I can't imagine life without her. Now, as you think about the statements I just made, what's interesting is God made marriage to be that way. That's the way he made it. And to not experience that, there are many people when they talk about marriage, they make a joke, uh, their marriages have been rough. They, in fact, I don't even talk about marriages being hard. I don't talk about it as being a terrible, tough journey that I have to be on. I don't believe that. I think it's been one of the greatest things in the world. Why? Because I think God made it a certain way. And if I live the way that God intended me to live and, and my wife lives the way God intended her to live, well, my goodness, this is an incredible experience that God wanted me to have. 
It's kind of like the children of Israel in the Old Testament when they were told to go in the promised land. All God wanted to do is give them a land that was beautiful and be a part of it. And I, yeah, there were obstacles there. The obstacles, though, weren't the people's obstacles. God was going to deal with it. But, but he just wanted them to walk, and they wouldn't do it. And so sometimes, you know, we get, we get off on tangents because we, our fears, our emotions, our, our understanding get in the way and we don't, we don't live according to what God has said. But right from the beginning, God wants us to live a certain way. We were created to live that way. And, and he, and we were created to, to most importantly never be separated from Him. And when God used the term death at the beginning with Adam and Eve, it really means separation. We were never meant to be separated from God. And sin separates us. It, it separates us from everything that's good. Sin separates us from people. Sin separates us from God. It separates us. And, and this separation God called death. And, and what happened in history is that, that God said, yes, your sin has separated you from me because your sin will not allow you to be in my presence or, or be in my family. So I'm going to take care of that because I said there had to be a payment for it. I'm going to send my son to this earth. And in John 3, 16, tells us that, you know, for God so loved that he gave. He gave. He gave his son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So God said, I'll take care of this. I love you. I want to repair the relationship. And all the way through the Bible, what you see, God's passion is to bring us back into a relationship. That's his passion. It is never to punish. That's not his goal. His goal is to bring us back. But we have choice. So the whole Bible is about a love story. And if you think it's about anything else, you haven't read the whole thing. And and that's really a very long answer to a very simple question, Jeff. Yeah, and I'm just going to open it up and, and talk about this. I I watched the news. You know, we saw the the headlines and we saw the reports and and so many things that they're discovering about what happened in Oregon in that shooting. And, you know, it always begs the question, every time we see an act of evil displayed in our news, you know, day to day, every single day we see examples of this, but there was, you know, just something distinct about this one, you know, a place that should have been a safe place. Somebody walks in and takes the whole classroom hostage and begins shooting yep. and killing people. Yep. These evil things, they happen every day. Let's, let's not deny that fact. Yep. But something about this one, again, it just grips us and it, it makes it real again for us that, yes, it happens. Yes, it's evil. And, man, it hurts. Why do these things happen? And the sin and, and, and that this guy did, the, the, the anger, the murder, it separated people. It separated people who loved others. It separated people from their loved ones. That's what sin does 100% of the time. And the painful part of it is the separation part. That's the painful part. And, and everybody knows that because God made us to be relational. He made us to love him, and he made us to love each other. And when somebody comes in with a gun and shoots you, it, that is a sin. It's murder. God says not to do it. And the consequence of sin is always separation, always. It is painful, and that's why God hates sin, because it destroys the very fabric that he created for us to enjoy. Let me just say it as well. I, I think it's important, to that we keep the people out there in our thoughts and prayers, but even for the years to come. I mean, there's a lot of things that that, again, yeah, it separates people. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a sin of the people that got shot. Yeah. I'm saying it's a sin of the shooter right. that separated. Right. Yeah, I want that clear. I'm not saying the people that got shot are to blame for anything. Oh, no. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm saying it, it's, you know, 
the safety, the feeling of security. I mean, yep. all those things, it, it, yep. it breaks up the, the world you live in. It just, it fractures it. And, and now we've got people that live with emotional scars. And these are things that many of you guys who are listening, you may have emotional scars. You may have things that, uh, even physical scars. Uh, but a lot of times the emotional scars are even more devastating to live with because you have to face the, the images and the things that you didn't want to see and you can't unsee anymore. How do we forgive when we have those kinds of wounds? How do we deal with that? Well, forgiveness is not something that naturally comes to us. And when we, when we think about a force that really does change this world, forgiveness is a force to be reckoned with. Um, when you have the ability to look somebody in the eye that has hurt you in the past, and this is, again, this is a, a thing that God talks about. Jesus talked about forgiveness. Uh, the Bible is littered with opportunities for forgiveness to take place. If you think about it, forgiveness is something that's very unique. It's something that to the Christian faith stands out to me because, again, what you're saying is I let go of all of my expectations for vengeance, uh, and I'm just going to say, you know what? I, I can't hold this grudge against you. I can't do this. So that in itself, even in the midst of evil, even in the midst of something, we're going to talk about this in the second half of the show. I think one thing that does separate Christianity from every other world religion is this big word, mercy, which evidences itself in forgiveness. We're going to talk about this when we come back again. Jump on the tweet back with us. If you're on Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTB, and the conversation will continue in the second half of Hope Dead Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation, don't forget you can go and download it on the podcast. Go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast tonight after the show. Jeff, DW, Tara K in studio. And we've been having a lively conversation about truth. We talked about God. We talked about uh, some of his characteristics a little bit last week, and this week we're following that up to unpack a little bit more of this. And so we talked about God. We've been talking a little bit from a perspective, uh, again, on our Faith Foundations series, or Faith Fundamentals series, that you know we need to also then look at the Bible, because the Bible, as we would understand, is that it gives us the insight of who God is, who we're really dealing with here. And we have to ask that question after we come to grips with, well, there must be some kind of a creator. There must be some kind of a, a being, a celestial being or a heavenly being that must have set everything into motion or that I see all these effects and I see all these things. Well, is there a primary cause? So some of these introductory ideas of God, as it were, um, we need to understand better who we're dealing with here. Because I think the thing that every Christian has to understand is that God didn't just set this world into motion. He's actually sent us this person in the Bible that is talked about quite extensively, and that is Jesus. Well, we're going to talk about Jesus in a couple of weeks, but I think it's important to know not just that we can know this God, but that the Bible gives us a real accurate picture of it and that we can trust in reading it. And I think, Dave, yeah. I-, I loved asking you in the break a little bit about your thoughts on Scripture. And for our listeners, for those that are listening, what what would you say to them if they come to you and say, well, how do I really know that the Bible is true? How do I know these stories aren't just a bunch of made-up traditions that are passed on generation to generation and someone decided to write them down so that they could be passed on to further generations? How do we know it's true? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I love when young people ask me that. Uh, my first response usually is, have you ever read it? 
And their normal response is no. So then I ask them to go read it and then come back and talk to me. <laughs> because I, I would love to talk to them, but not just about sound bites and myths and things that they've heard. Some might go after it and say, well, you know, I don't think it's accurate science-wise. And I might say, where isn't it accurate science-wise? Help me. And they don't know. So I will usually tell them, let, let me help you understand that the, the Bible isn't a science book. That's not why it was written. You need to know why it was written, but it wasn't a science book. Well, then they'll go about something in history, and I'll say, do you know the Bible isn't a history book either? I mean, it wasn't written for the sake of history. What you have to understand, it's not science, it's not history, it's a relational book. It's a relational book between God and man and, and, and what's happened throughout history. And so you need to look at the relational side of things, not, not the history of the science. Oh, by the way, you know, my master's work is in science and that kind of thing. There's no discrepancies in the Bible and science, and there's no real discrepancies in history. I, but, but it's not necessarily written to be a historical book. And, and you would write it differently if it were. You would write it differently if it were meant to be a science book. But it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be a book about relationships between God and between you and me. So would you go back? This is what I would ask somebody. Would you go back and read it with that in mind and then come back and talk to me about it? And, and then we can have an intelligent discussion, I think, because there are a lot of reasons why I would, would help you understand that the Bible would be true. There's some websites I can send you to. There's some real research, but normally that's not really the question people have because they don't want to do that kind of research and they really don't want to study that much. Uh, they just want to use sound bites and, and different arguments that maybe they've heard somebody say, but can't back up. I've read the Bible through every year for the last probably 30 years. I mean, from cover to cover. And I enjoy what's in there, and I actually know what it says. And and so if you're going to come and at least tell me that you don't believe it's true, I would love to have that discussion with you. But I'd love for you to know what it says so that we can talk about what the real issues are rather than what somebody told you the issues were. And that would be my final answer until you go read it. So that would be my answer to our guests as well. Even for me as a young person, it's still I have to challenge myself to continually read through the parts that may not be always easy to, to read through. So reading through some of the, the first few books of the Old Testament, some people would say, well, where do you start in the Bible? Where do I start reading? Well, sometimes, I mean, you have to at some point read the Old Testament. I think it, it gives you that framework for why Jesus actually had to come to this world, why he even needed to to be present, go to the cross. So I think that's an important thing. Uh, what would you say? Someone that's looking at it and saying, well, where do I start? I want them to read the whole Bible. I don't care where they start. I think the Spirit of God, when the Bible is read, will, will help them. Uh, if they're truly wanting to seek God, I think they'll find him because the Bible says that that's true. If you seek him, you'll find him. If somebody's skeptical today, read the book of James. He was Jesus's half brother and quite a skeptic. And, and see what he says about Christianity and come back and talk to me. The gospels, you know, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will go through and kind of give you the life of Christ and the, and the disciples or the book of Acts. I'll just explain it to them and they can go wherever they want then. Kind of the history of the early church is found in the book of Acts. You can go there. There's a bunch of letters in the New Testament where like the apostle Paul would write letters to different churches or, or other people would write letters. And, and that's a lot of the other part of the New Testament, the back part. And really revelation, I would encourage you to read last. It's last in the Bible, I think, for a reason. It really has to do with more of the future um, and what is going to happen down the road. And you can look, if you want to read the Old Testament, have some fun in there because there's a tremendous amount of information on, on what's going to happen in the future that was written back then. And then you can go and see if it actually happened in the New Testament or in modern history what's happening. A lot of it is getting somebody to the point where they want to read the Bible and trying to figure out what is most interesting to you or finding out their questions. 
questions. Some people will look at the Bible and they'll say, yeah, the Old Testament, you know, there's um, uh, there's slaves, so God is pro-slave. And I, I think, nah, not really. Uh, if you read about anything about slavery, let me help you understand that. You know, I mean, what God did was was make sure that slaves were treated. I mean, the cultures had slaves. That doesn't mean God approved them. But but what he did is he made sure slaves were treated right. And not only that, there was a year of Jubilee where you had to leave all the slaves free. Very important to understand how God set it up so that actually it could be a system where they got free, not not stay slaves. Well, what about all the anger that goes on? Well, it's it's not just the anger that goes on in life. You look at the Old Testament, and there are things in the Old Testament that are very interesting, where where God wiped out whole nations. And as he wiped out whole nations, why did he wipe them out? He wiped them out basically because they were doing the most unimaginable things. They were taking babies and sacrificing them. They were, they were raping women. They were using people. They were, they were shedding blood. And, and God realized that these people and their choices were causing a lot of pain. They shouldn't be around because he loved the people and, and wanted the people that were going to listen to him to have the life that he wanted for them. So there had to be some of that that takes place. Just take time to read the Bible and put it in context. Realize that it's not, you know, a science book or a history book or anything else. What will happen is you'll begin to actually answer the questions on a scale that's not uh, soundbite-ish or it's not feelings-oriented. You'll be able to actually answer it in a way that makes sense to somebody, including yourself. That's probably a long explanation, but in the process of trying to figure out whether the Bible is real, you better start by reading it and at least giving it a chance to uh, make contextual sense to you. And if you're not willing to do that, then I would be very careful about accusing it uh, about being that real. It's important to go back and look at the content and to really figure out if it's really true, to read through it, read through some part of it. So if that is Romans or it's James or it's Acts or it's the Gospels, start somewhere. Uh, even in the Old Testament, start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the world. There is the first cause of everything else. So let's look at the content. What are some reasons that people give for the validity of the Bible? Well, the first thing, Tara, Dave, is the manuscripts, that we have tons of copies. We have more copies of biblical manuscripts with remarkable consistency between them. I mean, in the Bible itself, it's it's the most scrutinized book. Start at the content. Start at what's there. Again, this was a book that we have in, translated into English, but it was written in three different languages, two primarily, Greek and Hebrew. There's some Aramaic in there that's also used as well. But again, you've got many different people, over 40 different authors of this collection of books. You have about a thousand-year time difference. So just try to wrap your mind around that, writing this book with the same theme, a thematic kind of a book, but that it would have to be written and composed over a thousand years. That's that's hard to believe. Nobody does that today. And to hold up to all these different you know, scrutinies and arguments and archaeological evidence that's out there as well. So history, the Bible does contain history books. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are books of history in there. So we can read through real people, real places, real times, real circumstances, and they better hold up to science in that. So those are the first couple of them. There's one more that I think is really important is that it contains eyewitness accounts. I'm like you, Jeff. I grew up in church and have just, you know, had Bible reading time with my parents. And it was something that we did. It's almost something like we had to do, but it's not, you know, my parents did it with us, but it felt like it was just something that we did. And yet there are times where I have to stop and look back and just take a step back from what I already know and go, that's pretty amazing. Like yeah. just all the, everything that you just explained. And, you know, when Dave was explaining earlier about the relationship and how God is relational. And I thought that was just excellent. That was like a, the basic 
summation of the good news because I think a lot of people just think it's like, you know, you sin, God is mad at you or just try not to sin. Like that's what it's about. Or I did good things or I did bad things and now God's going to be mad at me. And that's not what it's about. That's a religion. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about mm-hmm. relationship. Keep it here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join us on the Tweetback. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Be a part of this conversation. Uh, before, we were, before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about some of the things that uh, we would we would need to look at if the Bible was true. And the first couple of evidences that we can look to to find out if the Bible is valid, if it holds up, the manuscripts, the amount of evidence, the amount of uh, documents that both make up Scripture and help us to find out what really was written so we have the content as accurately as possible. You know, there are more manuscripts today for the Bible. There's more evidence there than there are for the writings of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, even guys like Caesar, Augustus Caesar. Um, these are things that we don't question necessarily. We think, oh, it's you know, it's Augustus or it's Augustine or it's you know, you Socrates or Plato. I mean, these guys are have read them people know and, them, and so it must be true or not, or even know what they say. No, I haven't read all of their works. No, I've read maybe quotes. No, you know what? And that's interesting because they will throw it at me, and I'll say, you know, I've actually read them. Have you read them? No, <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. Yeah, not all of them. Obviously, I haven't read all of them, and and I wouldn't want to read all of them. But it's interesting how they get thrown into the mix when. When you just start asking them, so what proof do you have that uh, about Aristotle and his stuff? Well, I don't. I, did you ever even read any of his stuff? No. <laughs> where'd you hear this stuff then? Yeah. I mean, where do you come up with this? Yeah, and I think it points back to again being intellectually honest with ourselves yeah. and to, to think beyond our emotions. Because yes, the Bible. I think the thing that it boils down to there are things in the Bible that make us uncomfortable. Why? Because it addresses the reality of right and wrong. And a lot of times the things that are right to do go contrary to what we feel is right. And so we're going to talk about that as we wrap up the show tonight. But there are a few more things that I want to cover before we get to that point in the show. We talked about the archaeological evidence. We talked about um, some of the history, the eyewitness accounts. So there were real people, real times, real places, giving real facts about what they saw, what they experienced. Didn't necessarily make it perfect, but they just shared like a car accident. So if you're a witness at a car accident, well... You go back and you replay and you want to make sure you're accurate. You're giving the right details of who was where and what happened and how it proceeded to happen and to give your perspective. That's what an eyewitness does. They share their perspective, how they saw it. And so they're talking about sometimes the same thing, but from maybe a different perspective. That's how the book of, that's how all the gospels were written. They're written by different people, but they saw them from different angles. And so we have a more clear picture of really what happened. You know, let me help people just a second, just even with the gospels, help them if they're going to read it. Like if you're going to read about Christmas, you normally go to the gospel of Luke. Why? Because he was a physician. He was enthralled by the idea of a virgin birth. I mean, that kind of thing. And if you want the details of that, he's the one that gives it to you. Because that's what he was into. If you want to go into um, and look at somebody who uh, had uh, uh, a government kind of association, you go to Matthew. He was a tax collector. 
Uh, very interesting. John, if you want to go into a, a book that talks about the relationship with Jesus, John was the guy. In fact, John always called himself the one that Jesus loved. He was amazed that Jesus loved him, and he called himself that. And so his book is really about the love of God, pretty much. And, and it's very interesting. And Mark, there, there's a lot of, not I wouldn't say disagreement, but there's not a, a lot that we know as far as what he did um uh, as far as a, uh, a job, but a lot of us think he was a playwright. He was the Hollywood guy. Hmm. And that the, if you read the book of Mark, it's kind of like a Greek tragedy. It fits all the bill of a Greek tragedy. Yeah. So, it, so it's kind of like you have Matthew, the government guy, you have Luke, the physician, you have Mark, the, the kind of you know, Hollywood guy, and, and then you have John, the lover. And if you want to really understand, look at these perspectives and, and realize they're going to add different facts that the other ones aren't. But if you put them side by side they don't change anything they just look at it differently and give you different things to fill in the blanks just as if you were talking to people in your own family about something and and hollywood was a, a city in jerusalem or near jerusalem right yeah, yeah I, I, saw it on the, I saw it on the flintstones it, it was holly rock or something oh yeah I, I, I'm not, I, I, I don't remember but i'm sure it was back in history somewhere it was there there goes our credibility jeff right out the window I would laugh when he said Mark was the Hollywood guy. He's like, the who? Yeah. What? Yeah, the Holly, the Holly Rock. I should have said the Holly Rock guy. Then if you watch the Flintstones, you know what I was talking about. There you go. And the fourth thing, there's another another argument or evidence that the Bible is accurate. There are corroborating accounts. So there's plenty of references in non-biblical sources, just like there are contained in the Bible. Remember, the Bible is a collection of books. It's not just one book written by the same five people that got together or 60 people or whatever, 40 people. They didn't sit down together in the same room. Some of these people existed in different times and in different places. So, and there are different types of books. So you really have to look at the content. What is actually in the Bible? Well, there's accounts that match up. And there are different historians. Uh, Josephus is one of them, who was born in 37 AD, and he provides a lot of background material for to, to every student who's a New Testament scholar. So we can look to some of these things, some of the events that happened. Josephus wrote about him. Josephus is not a book in the Bible. Um, there's literary consistency. So another evidence that it, it contains, like we said, it contains 66 books written over 1,500, some say 1,000, some say 1,500 years by 40 different writers. So it's a big story of God's plan that has to go against what we would say is, this is how I would write this kind of a book so that it would make sure that it would be consistent. Um, the only way you do that today is if you get writers together in the same room and you have like six days of eight-hour meetings to talk about all the different chapters and all the different ideas and, and concepts and things we want to write about. Um, so that's the only way you get this kind of a book today. And it would still be different. I mean, it's it's amazing how... Yeah, I mean, get anybody together to write on the same topic and see how close it is. It, it doesn't work. Right. And, and that's important, too. And that kind of goes into the next part of it, prophetic consistency. So there are over 300 specific prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the, in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 300 prophecies. That's huge. That's like, I've heard it described as it's it's filling the state of Texas with like 18 inches deep of quarters and reaching out and pulling the one that's black. Yep. Wow. You know, it, it's one of those, like, the chances of somebody coming into history and fulfilling all of those things that were said before, it's just, it's astronomical, the odds of one person getting it right the first time. You know, the first time. This wasn't, like, the 40th time someone's come in and right. tried to do this. This is, like, one-hit wonder. Yeah, it's amazing, too, Jeff, as you talk about that. I think, you know... 
And somebody would abandon this logic, this reasoning by saying, oh, I heard somebody say, well, there are contradictions in the Bible. And, and then they, they say, yeah, see, I don't believe that. Listen to what you're saying. These are things that need to be considered. Yeah. That's all. Some other kind of fringe evidences, if you will, uh, there is expert scrutiny. So a lot of people, let's just face it, a lot of people have tried to discount the Bible. They've tried to disprove it. You've got guys like Lee Strobel, but then you've got some other guys in history, uh, Moiter, D.A. Carson. I mean, just the list goes on. Everybody, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people from an expert perspective have tried to say, okay, let's look at the literary approach. Let's look at the different people. Let's look at the message. Okay, where are their contradictions? There's got to be something here that doesn't quite line up. Again, the whole canon of the Bible has to be considered. How did they get these books together in the first place? You had to have guys that were pretty smart you know, the smartest people of the world, the brightest people of the world, the brightest minds come in and say, okay, does this hold up? Is this really going to work? I mean, let's look at it content. Is it just a good book of good principles, good morals, some history, or does it actually, is there actually something that holds up in this book? Well, let's look through it and we'll find it. So experts have scrutinized it. Leaders, a majority of the greatest leaders and thinkers in history have affirmed the truth and impact of the Bible, of this book. And that has to be considered. So many people, billions of people have followed this and i'm not saying that that doesn't it doesn't give another credence to you know buddhism or to, any uh, any other adherence of religion i mean you can use this argument for many other religious ideals but to look at the way that christianity has impacted the world at large from saint augustine to martin luther so many people men and women and children the words of the bible the content in it has changed their life they're no longer the same person they once were that again is one of those things where you have to look at okay what is the content? What does it make up? What is the message? You know, what are these people really saying when they say, I am a Christian? And we saw that hashtag trending after we saw what happened in Oregon. I am a Christian. Okay, what does that mean? What do they believe? What do they go to? So we'll look at the content. We're going to wrap up the show when we come back. These are some broad topics of broad evidences. It's not a crystal clear argument. Don't take me for a crystal clear argument tonight, but check out the show notes. We got some links there. We got some helpful tips. And we want to help you to open that conversation up to ask those questions, you know, how do I know the Bible is real? How do I know it's true? Check out our notes right now at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will wrap up here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Remember, you can connect with us anytime. You can email us at hope at hopenet360.com on the show, or you can send us a tweet. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We'd love to have you on our tweet back tonight or anytime in the week. The tweet back happens no matter when, no matter where. You can be anywhere, anytime. Send us a tweet. Send us an email. We'll check it. We'll respond to all of those, and we'd love to hear from you tonight. Jeff, DW, Tara K, wrapping things up here on the show. And it's been a, a great conversation. I talked quite a bit in the last segment just talking about some of the evidences for Scripture. I get passionate about Scripture. I get passionate about the Bible because I really believe in my own life the Bible has not only impacted me, I'm going to share about this in a little bit, but it's impacted me in a real way. Man, we ask the question, you know, does God exist? Is he really real? And then how do I know? This is how you know. God actually spent time. He's, he gave us, you know, 40 different writers over a thousand year period to make sure that we would know who he is. Yeah. I love that. I love that God would actually take the time and make sure that I knew that there is hope in this world. Yeah. And so that's my thought tonight. Dave, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts, Tara. I'd love to hear your thoughts too as well. 
how do we make sense of this show? Is a lot, we covered a lot on this topic and the conversation. What are your final thoughts? It reminds me of a time when, when I was younger and I was, I was a terrible speller. So anytime I would ask, I would just ask my mom how to spell stuff. And she would say, go look it up, go look it up. And I, that would drive me nuts. But, um, I think about it kind of, you know, some, some people might say, well, how do all the, you know, there's some books maybe that, um, were written that didn't get in the Bible. But I think about if like a dictionary, for example, who decides what goes in there or what is the final word on this is the right spelling of no something. No kidding. So, you know, it's like, there are lots of different, you know, there's lots of great books. There's lots of great commentaries about the Bible. But if you want the final authority on something, go to the Bible. Like I think about two, I had siblings growing up and maybe there was something I was thinking about doing, which, you know, in my house, like, I don't know if I wanted to go out to this party and I would ask my siblings, like, do you think it'd be okay? Do you think that mom and dad would care? Instead of really just going to the people who made the rules in our household, you know, they created our home and how it was going to be run. And so asking my siblings, they might be able to give me an opinion. But really, if I wanted the final authority, the answer on it, I would go to the people who created and established the rules that governed our house and created our home. And they created it not to have rules to just say, well, we rule over you, but because they love me and they created an environment that they would want me to enjoy and be a part of and in doing so created certain rules but they were the final authority on on what was truth in my household in the same way god is the final authority and so if we're wondering how we should live in this world well then we need to consult his final authority which is where we can go back in the word and find out what is true and and what would allow us to make good choices in the world and make the most of the world that he created yeah and correct me if i'm wrong i think you're probably thinking matthew 7 uh, verse seven and eight, where it talks about, it says this, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, God is big enough for our questions. He's big enough for us to search out and we mm-hmm. can ask and God will give us wisdom. He'll give us understanding. That's all we have to do is just ask for it. And I think it's important, you know, growing up, um, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that are listening that were raised in church and maybe didn't ever question it because it was just something, the Bible was just, you learn scripture verses in Sunday school class and you memorize them and you repeat them and it becomes routine instead of really alive. And so I don't, I want you to know that it's okay to question things. It's good to question it because then it really, you really start to go on a path of discovering it for yourself versus just, well, we just learned this in Sunday school and these are the verses from the Bible that we repeat, but we don't really know what they mean or how they apply to my life as an individual. When I think of the Bible, I think it, you know, the Bible allows me to have the definition I need of, of things in the world. I mean, it defines God, it defines relationships, it defines, it actually defines right and wrong, which allows me to understand good and bad. I mean, the, the Bible is very definitive. And we need those definitions in order to be okay. We can't live in a world that's all fuzzy and, and all um, muddy and, and all that it, that goes on. Uh, it's not really okay for each man to do what's right in their own eyes because some people will do things that will be appalling to others. There needs to be a standard outside of man. So the Bible helps with that giving definition, and that definition brings clarity. I know how I'm supposed to act as a dad. I know how I'm supposed to act as a, as a husband. I know how I'm supposed to act as a friend. I know what money is for. I mean, it, it brings clarity to me. 
And that clarity allows me to live my life uh, somewhat boldly, somewhat in, in, in certainty. I, I get to make sure that my life actually matters. Uh, significance in life comes from knowing and living in the, the way that I was created to be. And, and the byproduct of all that is just uh, a peace in life. I very much enjoy my life. I very much am at peace with, with what goes on. And, and uh, I tell you, without the Bible, without knowing God, it wouldn't be there. Uh, the Bible does all that. And, and I know that we can't just say, look at my experience and go ahead and, and love God and know Him. But it would be very hard for me to say anything other than the Bible, as I've read it through, you know, 30 sometimes, is fantastic. It, it's changed my life and it's caused me to be the man that I am. And I challenge you to get into it yourself and see if it doesn't do the same. Yeah, for me, looking at the Bible, looking at all these things, it's one thing to be passionate about the Bible. And I think a lot of times Christians are really good at talking. I'm good at talking and saying, yeah, the Bible's a great book. I mean, it has a lot of good stories in it, a lot of good morals. You know, you read about Jesus, you read about some of the prophets, some guys that did some great things, Noah that built a boat and at least saved some animals, you know, just different stories that I don't know how they necessarily line up with my life today, but I can guarantee you, they do line up in some way with your life, and they're going to speak to every different circumstance that you're going to face in your life. While we don't really understand and we don't always comprehend why the evils happen the way they do and, and really why evil is, it just is. And unfortunately, that's a, a product of our own sinful nature and our desire to do things our own way. And for me, I, I love the fact that I can go into Scripture and I can read things just like Matthew 7 to keep asking, keep you know seeking after the truth, keep on knocking, keep on asking God those questions that I have in my in my life. And if I'm asking the wrong question, God will correct me. He'll show me where I'm I'm erring, that I'm just thinking about this from my own humanity, my own perspective. God is big enough for our questions. And the Bible to me, I can't con you into reading the Bible. I can't say that this is going to be something that uh, will work in your life like it has in my life. But I can tell you, Scripture, in reading in it daily, it, it helps me to focus. It helps me to align my priorities up. Every single area of my life it speaks to both as a husband, as a dad, as a leader, as somebody who wants to make an impact in this world, that the Word of God is alive, and it will help me to do those things. But more than that, it helps me to know who God is and to actually understand a little bit more in my limited perspective that I, I, I need to know who this God is. I need to have a relationship with Him, to know that God sent His only Son to come and die on the cross, to take away my penalty, my punishment on Himself, for my own sin and my own wickedness and my own evil things I do. No, I didn't go and, and I haven't done something like we saw in Oregon. Many of us will never experience those things, but some of us will experience injustice. Some of us will be tempted to do things that we will later regret in our life. How do we reason with those things? How do we make sense of those? How do we find forgiveness? The Bible talks about those things, and it's through Jesus. And I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know where you're at in your faith. If you need to, go and chat with a live coach. They would love to help you explore. They would love to share more about who Jesus is with you on our website, hopenet360.com. And, uh, of course, this show, you can go and download it at hopenet360.com slash podcast. Go and subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And we would love for you to share with your friends. We think these conversations are, again, conversations that will save lives. Understanding these simple things in life can be all the difference for somebody who is needing hope, who is looking for hope. So, again, go to our website, hopenet360.com. Find those links there. For all of us here on the show, I'm Jeff saying so long. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.